rescue op, save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Address world one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And in this episode, we're discussing minute 40 of Fallen Kingdom. Before we get to that, David, heading over to Jurassic-Pedia.com. Finally, finally, live action Baryonics here. We had it cut short in Jurassic Park 3. Uh, this is, I noticed some issues with the design, uh, the look of this Baryonics, um, but mm-hmm. we finally have it on the big screen. It, uh, as I said, tried to get into Jurassic Park 3. It had a small part in the Lost World video uh, PS2 game uh, down in those tunnels in those caverns underground, which is I can I think is a bit of an homage to what we see here with it mm-hmm. creeping around the tunnels of Nublar. Um, talk to me about the Baryonics. So the Baryonics is something that we've known to exist, going all the way back from the first movie. I believe is on the brochure map mm-hmm. uh, for that movie. And this is actually the very first time we're ever seeing it, and I'm gonna admit I do not like it. It looks like an it looks like an alligator, and I've seen uh, reference or referred to frequently, and I completely agree with the descriptor. If anybody's familiar with the um, kind of old, I think it might have been 2006 Dino Crack uh, sci-fi Dino Crack movie. <laughs> If you're, if you're not familiar, look it up because this is what baryonics what we see here is you got the croc, you got the crocodile skews going down the back the um, the uh, mouth is kind of flat and wide the claws are um, kind of shrunken down there's very very little about this that still retains the baryon the what baryonics looked like and I think it's kind of made worse by the contrast of the Julius Castoni art from the Jurassic World website, where we get, I mean, even if they didn't go with this, with the bright yellow and blue color pattern, it's still very beautiful. It's got that big giant claw. It's got that kind of thin, uh, like thin kind of spinosaur snout, that kind of, that trademark look of a spinosaur. It it looks like baryonics. I mean, even going as far back as the 1990s, this is gen- very generally little has changed about what we know baryonics to look like. Hmm. I'd say that this, except for the ways the the way the hands are pointed inwards except, instead of downwards, and the little bits of quills on the top of the head, which even then that's kind of a cool design. That kind of even if they included that in the final movie, that would have been like kind of a cool nod to Jurassic Park three or something. It just seems. They took everything that makes baryonics baryonics and took it away. Hmm. Including... And we were kind of discussing. Um, it would be, I think, a couple weeks uh, by the time this episode airs about the. I know it's come up on Twitter the kind of Jurassic aesthetic and how the aesthetic that Jurassic dinosaurs follow is this style of. Mainly three late 80s and 90s paleo artists, Doug Henderson, Mark Hallett, and um, Gregory S. Paul. 
Paul and Hallett actually provided concept art and anatomical references to the first movie. Their art is basically the bedrock for all Jurassic Park dinosaurs. And I feel like this that Jurassic World in general, but particularly the Baryonyx is especially kind of, I don't know if heinous is too strong of a word, example of how Jurassic World isn't really adhering to that original look. And I've heard, like, I've heard some try to explain, oh, well, this was the original engine Baryonyx. The original engine Baryonyx would not have looked like this. The crocodile scutes have been pretty much a trademark of all the new dinosaurs, not so much the classic dinosaurs. Mm. Oh, yeah, I remember reading in the article here somewhere, I've been trying to scroll, but I can't find it, where there's been, there's been art done for the Baryonyx as far back as... Jurassic Park 3, that um, has been pretty good, and then they suddenly get to uh, Fallen Kingdom, and it's completely thrown to the side, and this new this new model's being put in. Um, yeah. Without its sale, well, was, trademark sale, too. Yeah, there was art for Baryonyx for the Lost World uh, PS1 game, and it was much, much closer to the Jurassic World website art than it was to this. Yeah. I, and I'm just not sure what was lost in translation, if they wanted something kind of monstrous on purpose. And it, I don't know what they did to it. I mean, I know what they did to it visually, but I don't know the thought process behind it other than, well, it's, it swims, so let's make it look like an alligator. Mm. But we don't have any swimming scenes with it. <laughs> Even, no, so. don't. No. Which kind of almost makes it worse. I mean, obviously this thing... I remember there being concept art for this movie of the Baryonyx in an abandoned uh, hotel pool on Jurassic. And that art, again, the Baryonyx looking more like uh, the website art than this, it was one of them, I think, was swimming in like the half-filled algae-ridden pool. Hmm. And so, I mean, I kind of make the assumption that the lava and the eruption has driven these animals from their low-lying habitats and into these tunnels, and they're running from the lava, and that's how this one got pushed into the radio bunker. Yeah, I'm just getting lost in the article again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, even even as you're saying, with like with no aquas aquatic scene of it. We're going to be in the water in a couple of minutes' time. Like, even have it swimming in the water. Instead of your main conflict there being a sinking gyrosphere, have it it interacting with the gyrosphere underwater, and it's what cracks the window open or something. Um, and just have... I know why, because it's going to be a lot more expensive to have a CG baryonyx swimming around underwater <laughs> um, instead of just having the actors getting dunked in a glass ball. But And it's just a shame, too, because... We get the same issue later on in uh, a couple of minutes' time with that Allosaurus in the valley. Just again, not not really defined um, defined design. <laughs> another another Jurassic World animal, just sort of lacking color. Yeah, and we'll get to that one when we get to that minute. But I mean, like, yeah. and know, they turn around. They, they I, turn around. I have my not... whole other complaints in that department. <laughs> But then they turn around and knock the Carnotaurus out of the park. Like the, the CG on that thing is spot on. I, all oh, I can, th- all I can think is just 
Colin or someone was saying to the the CG artist, "Not nah, you spend too much time on this anymore." Or, but as as you mentioned with the Baronix earlier, just there was perfectly fine concept art of it that's been used before in the franchise. Um, yeah, there's no reason why it should look the way it does now. No, no. But uh, for this article, uh, it's a good read. Head over, check it out. Dress-pedia.com. It's the T-Rex. It's the T-Rex. It's the T-Rex. Claire. It's the T-Rex. It's the T-Rex. It's the T-Rex. Probably. Probably. David, ready to get it into minute forty? Yeah. All right. Minute forty. Fallen Kingdom opens with Franklin and Claire watching lava flow into the bunker, and ends with Franklin and Claire climbing a ladder. Franklin and Claire uh, panic as lava flows into the bunker. Uh, Claire tells him to head uh, to take deep breaths. But then an animal growl comes from behind the uh, the tunnel behind them. Um, they turn to see the silhouette of a large animal coming towards them. Uh, they start to move back away from the tunnel entrance as lava flows down all around them. Uh, one little drop. I'm surprised they're not looking up watching where the lava's coming through the ceiling just so they know where to dodge this falling lava because unlike right. the baryonics, if this stuff lands on you, uh, you're toast. <laughs> and not just the lava, but... This whole lava gives off like sulfurous fumes and carbon dioxide and monoxide and all kinds of nasty gases that you really don't want to breathe in. Mm. And this is being an enclosed space with like locked doors and all that. That room is filling up with ga- with noxious gases that are going to just probably knock them out before the lava even gets to them. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the lava is essentially in its way through the roof. So whatever electrical cabling there, you got plastics, you got um lighting in the roof uh rebar all that sort of stuff that the that's melting and then even again the lava on the concrete base i think we see mm-hmm. from behind the scenes stuff's just amount of leaves and sort of debris that's on the ground in there too so oh yeah i mean yeah. so you're gonna get the regular carbon smoke that from just uh leaf litter and organic material burning up and not to mention that i mean that used to be an old storage <laughs> Area. They probably still have aerosols and stuff in the cabinets and <laughs> the and paint and stuff that on the on areas that when that paint of his flashpoint is going to it's going to send off nasty chemicals. Is the aerosols in the can is going to be nasty to breathe in? Mm-hmm. And I reckon that's I mean, we're where... talking like lung damage just yeah. standing in this room for a couple minutes. Yep, and then with how they get out climbing that ladder, you're going right up into the the thick of it. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. in the ceiling, but it's sort of I could see it if this if uh, this entire film took place on Nublar and this scene was drawn out a bit longer, you'd probably have Franklin come to his own into his own as a bit of a MacGyver, being able to assemble some stuff to maybe not defeat the Baryonics, but fight off the Baryonics <laughs> so they could escape down the tunnels or something. <laughs> As you said, like it's been used as a storeroom, so there's plenty of things here. If you get, or you'd probably get a scene too of uh, the sprinklers going off because the smoke alarms are going off in the building or something. Uh, true, but I mean, at the same time, we don't know what kind of damage the electri- uh, the electricity is taking in uh, this bunker. The lava's probably cut through all the electrical lines and stuff. Yeah. No fans, no lights, no computer. Well, we never mentioned it earlier. It's a wonder the bunker's got power for the computers altogether when they get there. Obviously, mm-hmm. there must be a, it must be on its own generator or something that fires up 
luckily fires up when they uh, enter, open the doors and hit the commands on the computer. Because we don't, there's no power on at Main Street when we pull in there. The only power we see on the islands earlier mm-hmm. when they've got the generators at night time. So, and that's that's yeah. that's three or four years earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose if the geothermal power plant's still running, it, it might still be sending power through the tunnels and supplying power here that way. We'll go for that. <laughs> but, still, but still, I mean, you need wiring to supply that power to the room, you know? And if yeah. that wiring is shot, compies chewing through it, four years of uh, neglect and water damage, then you got yep. the lava that's using the tunnels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, all good points. Uh, the Baronics emerges from the tunnel and roars. Uh, We've mentioned mentioned before uh, just how many attempts they've had to get this animal in the live action, going all the way back to JP3 and then the uh, mm-hmm. Lost World PlayStation game as well. But uh, Franklin screams and Tra- Claire tries to uh, reassure him that C, not the T-Rex. <laughs> and, of course, this Franklin... This is not better. <laughs> natural, natural respond there from Franklin. But the Baronix enters the bunker from the tunnel, and we get this zany score sort of going here. And I don't really like it. I, I can just see this a lion tamer sitting here with a whip, trying to whip the the Baryonyx <laughs> as it comes in. Just there's some really good aspects of the Fallen Kingdom score, and there's some really bad stuff as well. And I'm lumping <laughs> this into the bad stuff. <laughs> Reminds me of the other day I was playing with my dog and. She keeps going after the rope toy I had. So I'm snapping the rope toy, and I grab a kitchen chair, and I point it at her, and grab, I'm snapping the rope toy, and she starts running. <laughs> uh, little scaredy dog. Uh, but the Baronix lunges forward at them, uh, but falling lava lands on its head. It pulls back trying to shake it off. And I know a lot of people have issues with this sort of these scenes where the lava's directly fallen onto the animal, and it's just yeah, it's not it's not acting like an animal; it's acting like a monster, like a movie monster coming after the person. And all the nitpicks that we could come up with in this minute, this is probably the least nitpicky. This is like kind of uh, like science one on one lava fire hot. <laughs> Two thousand <Fire> degrees. <laughs> And this is, like I said, this isn't just fire. This is molten rock. This is literally a rock that you can hold in your hand, liquefied and burning at thousands of degrees Fahrenheit. And if this hits you in the head, it's going to melt through scale, flesh, bone, brain. You're dead. It hits you, you're dead. Yeah, that's a shame. And I know, I understand that being a, the, the rating for the movie, you're not going to see, it's not going to show you the lava hitting it in the head and its face melting off, but at least mm-hmm. it could w- sort of whimper and retreat back down the tunnels or something. Just... I mean, it's not even that, though. I mean, like, it hits it kind of like straight out on the side of the head, and it's going to, I mean, I know they can't show it melting, but it would have been dead. It would have just, it would have hit in the head, blam, kind of falls to the ground, no more baryonics as a problem. <laughs> I know it's like really anticlimactic, but that's what would have happened. It should have happened. Yeah, yep, agreed. Uh, Claire looks to her left and finally sees the ladder going up uh, into the roof. Uh, she races over to it, but it's stuck. 
then she yells back to Franklin to grab a nearby chair. Uh, as Franklin runs for the chair, um, the Baronx lunges, but again is hit by in the head by fallen lava. So not only once, now twice, it's hit, been hit in the head with lava as well, and it's still still trying to pursue him. Uh, the Baronx snaps at the chair, tearing the backrest off, and uh, Franklin fights to free it from the animal's jaws. And then once he does, uh, he wheels it across to where Claire's standing, who's, or who then stands on it to reach up and grab the ladder. And as the minute yeah, ends, I'll go. That's almost super Franklin right there. I mean, how does he rip that free of the animal's jaws? We're talking about an animal that weighs a couple tons, and he, did, he looks like a strong wind would knock him over. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I yeah. I mean, if anybody's played with a large dog with a rope toy, those things can really move with their neck muscles. I mean, yeah. imagine a multi-ton animal. You could probably pick Franklin up. Or pull him forward into the falling lava. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, luckily luckily the chair's been there for four years. It's old and rickety and still still strong enough for Claire to stand on, but rickety enough that when the <laughs> Baronix grabs the backrest, it tears away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and as the minute ends, uh, Claire climbs to the top of the ladder uh, as Franklin follows, constantly looking back to see where the Baronix is so he should know what's coming uh, next minute. I would say we're going to go to some novel comparisons, but everything that happens in the movie is pretty much exactly what happens in the novel as well, so no comparisons there needed. Uh, Dave, right. if there's uh, not anything else, that'll be minute 40. How about we get over for today? Sounds good. All right, lovely. Lovely. 